morning. What a good day, man. Anybody have a long, kind of exhausting week? Anybody else besides me? Anybody feel like you're sitting in darkness over here today? And that's probably the worst environment for me to sit in. So they put me on the light stage so I can, I can stay awake. But what a, what a great, exhausting, wonderful week. I don't mind being exhausted uh, as long as it's fruitful. And this week I got to travel to Springfield, Missouri and teach 28 uh, rural church pastors the stuff that's very common to us. I did the why is greater than what. We're calling it recruiting to releasing. Trained 28 pastors. Got to enjoy some really smart people, um, which I'm, I'm not saying I'm not used to being around, but I mean really smart like college professors that taught before and after, uh, people that have national uh, ministries. And, and I, to, to be in that cadre as one of the teachers and say, hey, how did you do and when did you and how did Like the one guy, he, he pastored Central Assembly of God. He was a, a Central Bible College professor, multi-time author. He, just the guy, he came in. I didn't know him. I've heard his name for years. He came and sat in the front row. How many of you guys ever found out later on you're glad you didn't know the person in the front row? No offense, but I'm just saying, like, like you just go, wow, I'm so glad I didn't know that was you, or, you know, that would have caused intestinal issues. Let's just put it that way, right? So I am, I am grateful that this church has a generous heart towards me and allows me to go and bless other people, and I'm home, and I'm glad, and it's summer, and let's finish the series. Amen? You guys ready? So, uh, Graham Blank, good to see you. Pastor Jim and Carrie Parkin, we love you, and uh, you're heroes. We appreciate you. And live stream, same thing. Um, two weeks from the day, we'll be preaching. It'll be the holiday weekend, just to let you know, because uh, so you didn't know that. But two weeks from the day on the holiday weekend, I'll be preaching. Normally, I preach to you guys and occasionally look at the camera, but on that weekend, I'll be looking at the camera and occasionally looking at you guys, because I want to talk to everybody that's still out there. Everybody say out there. We hear this again and again. Yesterday, people in tears saying, this has always been my home. I'm not quite sure why I've been gone so long. It just feels like I'm disconnected. It's like, well, there's a reason you feel disconnected. You're disconnected. God intended us to come together, and, and when we scatter, it, it's great we can be fed, but it's hard to be who you are in isolation when God created you to be in community. And so two weeks from the day, I'll be preaching to that camera, and you guys will be like, why is he looking over my head? Does he have, like, cataracts? It's like, no, I just I want to talk to them and us together because I believe that it's time for people to come back to church. And, and, and more than that, to, to enjoy what it means. I, I'm not like, well, there's numbers that are important. Numbers are not important, but people are important. And so we have things to give. We have things we need to receive. It's hard to do that on a mobile device. So God bless you. In uh, Romans chapters 1 through 11, we've been teaching chapter 12, verse 2, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. But Romans chapter 12 begins with the word, therefore. And every time you see the word, therefore, come on, Bible scholars, what do you ask? What's the question you ask when you see the word, therefore? What's... Yeah, what's the therefore, therefore? In other words, you have to, it's connecting. That's, that's, the, that's the, the solid line that's saying this thought I'm about to bring is connected to all the previous thoughts. It's one continuous thought. Because of this, therefore, because of that, therefore. So one statement out of context is hard to understand. But know this, that chapters 1 through 11 is Paul explaining the gospel of Jesus Christ. In, in wonderful macro form. It's not John 3.16 where it comes in micro form. He says, listen, chapter 1, there are some bad people in the world. Chapter 2, you're one of them. Chapter 3, all of sin that falls short of the glory of God. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, salvation by grace through faith is introduced in human language for the first time. It's beautiful, right? He goes from there to chapter 7, why do I behave the way that I do? Chapter 8, you're adopted as a son. Chapters 9, 10, 11, let me show you, this isn't anything new. This is, we saw this in the life of Abraham. It's always been this way. David knew this. Abraham knew this. Moses knew this. And now we are walking in not, not a new 
revelation, but the fulfillment of an old revelation that very few people tapped into called faith, where you just trust the Lord. It's relational faith, not occupational performance. And all God's people said amen, right? The grace of God. So he said, that's what's most important. That's what's most important. Then he gets to chapter 12, and he says, therefore... So based on all the chapters 1 through 11, therefore, connecting all the righteousness of God, all the good news of Jesus Christ, all the being born again, all the adopted into the family of God, all the revelations, he now says this, therefore. And what he's going to do is he's going to say, now that I'm born again, now that I'm adopted, now that I'm an heir, now what? And he says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of all this mercy we've talked about for the first 11 chapters, to offer your bodies. Everybody say, my body. Some of you said it in a creepy way, so that's weird. But I just offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, a living, see the contradiction? A sacrifice, but not one that dies, one that lives. A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This, everybody say this, come on. This is your true and proper worship. I'm all for killing bulls if the blood does something, man. I'm all for the barbecue that happens afterwards. I'm all for sacrificial stuff. But when Jesus came, he died once for all mankind, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And because of that, now we've got to say, well, how do we worship then? If it's not animal sacrifice, if it's not blood offerings and drink offerings and grain offerings and bread offerings, Sabbath days and feasts and fasts, how is it we're supposed to worship God? He said, this is how you're supposed to worship God. You offer yourself, your bodies as a holy pleasing to God, living sacrifice. And then he answers the question that I would ask, well, how do I do that? Thank you for telling me what to do. How many of you guys know that the ought-to sermons are important, but ought-to's without how-to's are fruitless? I need more than what I ought to do. I need to know how to do it. Anybody else married? All right. You ought to. I, I know, but tell me how to. Well, honestly, if it wasn't for the husband lessons I've been getting for 32 years, I'd be a terrible husband still. I wouldn't call myself an excellent husband, but I'm a, well, what would you say, babe? Good husband, great husband. Great husband, awesome husband, the best, best husband you've ever had. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it, right? So how do we do that? And he tells us how to do it. Here it is. You ready? Do not conform, being pressed into the insincere, not your nature pattern of this world, but be transformed, metamorphosed. We got our word metamorphosis, transformed. By the renewing of what? Okay, so what Paul does is he uses, he uses statements that are contrasting. Do not do right? Come out of, go into slavery, freedom, death, life, darkness, light. He's using this exaggerative statement to make sure we understand that it's not a subtle change by two degrees. This is a radical shift in how you use your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, when we know, when we realize, when we have revelations of some things, we live holy pleasing, and sacrificially for God. Now, let me say it again. When we know some things, when we realize some things, when we think a certain way, we live holy and pleasing. True worship happens from our lives 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether there's music playing or not. Worship is not just the song we sing. It's the life we live before the Lord. And when we understand, that sounds so Joel Osteen, but it's true. When we have this, this revelation that I please God when, we'll also find ourselves wanting to do that thing more and more and more. Does this make sense? So let me, let me say it this way, and I'll say it a bunch of ways. When you know, number one, whose you are. How many of you guys know if you don't know whose you are, you don't know who you are? So number one, when you know whose you are, when you know who you are, 
because of whose you are. My daddy's a king. My father in heaven, hallowed be his name, is the Lord of glory. He is Yah in the Yahweh. He is Adonai. He is El Shaddai. He is, he is the morning star. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He is good. He is holy. And he says, I am yours. And I am his. So when I know whose I am, and then I know who I am, and when you learn, when you know, when you believe what God has said, what his Logos written word declares, the foundation for your house, the sword in your hand, that which produces all the defensive armaments as well, when you know what God has promised you, not just the Logos or written word, but the rhema promises of God, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That word, word, is the word rhema. It's not just the logos word, that which is written. When you know what God has said to you, now put this together. Well, you know whose you are, who you are. You know the principles of the kingdom. You know them well. And you know what God has promised you. When you believe in what God saw when he created you for such a time as this, then, my friends, you will go from conformed to transformed, and it won't even be hard. It won't even be hard. I'm trying so hard to come out of. Let me tell you how to come out of. Go into. You can, you can try really hard to diet, but if you really go into eating well and exercise, guess what? You don't have to worry about diet. Yeah, I thought I'd be quiet. All right, let's try this again. If you want any transformation in your life based on truth, based on Scripture, based on His will for your life, hear me, hear me. When, when this happens, don't, don't worry about quitting. Concern yourself with starting. Don't worry about the slavery in Egypt. Dream about the promised land and just keep walking. And as you focus on what God has brought to you, 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 you change. You go from conformed, which is an orphan, trying to fit in, trying to survive, to being transformed, which is a son, a daughter, with a father and a purpose. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is, is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is is life and peace. Somebody say amen. When you think God's thoughts, your life becomes God's thoughts. Okay, is it quiet because it's deep or you, I lost you? It's deep? Okay, good. I'll back up then. I'll save the up front for when you're falling asleep. As we close the series, guys, I, I want us to look at the death mindset and the life and peace mindset in a very contrasting way. And, and I think some of you today will be like, man, I've been studying this all summer. I've been coming to Thursday nights. I feel like I have some awareness, but I don't feel like I have a significant amount of progress. Others would be like, I thought that way in June, and I don't think that way in September, right? But I want us to contrast it because I want you to see it. So we're going to look at conformed versus transformed. I want you to ask yourself, where am I at? Where's my mindset? When I think about life, when I think about peace, when I think about heaven or family or relationships, my enemies, my friends, my church, my government, where is my brain programmed to end, right? Conform versus transform. So the conformed mind wants to get. Everybody say get. It's all about getting. Why? Because I'm an orphan. Because I have no one. Because what I have is a lot to do with the security I, I belong to. I, if I have plenty of money, I can now relax and retire. But if I don't have plenty of money, I should fret every day and work really hard and labor for it. But how many of you guys know we never know how much is enough anyway? You ever do one of those retirement calculators? It's one of the most discouraging things ever. All you need to do to retire comfortably according to your goals is put away $47,000 a day for the next 18 years, and you'll be fine. And I'm just like, oh, you could just shut up because that didn't help, right? I, I, when I listen to Dave Ramsey, if you just put $100 away every month for 30 years, it's like I'll be dead for 10 in 30 years. But thank you. 
for the advice, right? Maybe not. I'm 55, 75, 80. I'll be 85. I'm still mad at Dave. He didn't tell me soon enough, right? Transform, though. It isn't about getting. It's actually about giving. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I know Faye has because she's been on, how many guys have ever been on a missions trip to the third world where people live in like real poverty, dirt floor, dirt poor, somebody's sick, they pray because there are no doctors, right? What you'll experience amongst the poor who are believers is unbelievable generosity. I am shocked. Like the Mazatec was up in the Sierra Madres of Oaxaca. Doesn't that sound like a beginning of a joke or something? So there's a nun, a priest, and a rabbi in the mountains of Oaxaca. But literally, there's, there's this town called Boladero, and then Ricardo Flores is up. And as you walk up the trail, there's about three houses that are owned by believers that go to Ricardo or, or Boladero. And as you stop outside the house, they have a tonal language, so you whistle, hello, and, they'll, and they'll, they'll whistle back. There's no door to knock on. It's just open. That way the pigs and dogs can come and go. And you whistle, and they whistle back. That's the knock. And you walk through, like, their little gate area, if there's a gate area. And 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in the Mazateco believers' homes, you will find two things, a warm, sincere welcome and a pot of terrible coffee. They take organic, altitude-grown, shade-grown, all-natural coffee, and they take like a handful of coffee, and they put it in a bucket over a wood fire, and then they take like 19 handfuls of sugar. And what you get is boiling hot, lightly flavored coffee Kool-Aid. The, the point is not the quality of the coffee. I shouldn't have even said that. The point is the quality of, of the conversation the quality of the hospitality and the quality of the generosity. When they offer you a cup of coffee, I understand when they ground those beans and make coffee out of it to serve you, that was money that should have gone into their pockets, but instead it went into your belly. The generosity, I was in Haiti one time, and we, we went back to a, a back village and announced that we would be building a school there. This was in 1983, so a long time ago. We're going to be building a school, we're going to be building a church, we're going to be sending a pastor. They were so excited, they gave us all of their food. The entire village gave us their food for the day. No one ate. And we sat down in front of them with some rice, some vegetables, and some strange meat that wasn't wonderful. And we ate it very carefully and with great faith. Jesus, kill it. I mean, bless it. Because there's going to be a fight somewhere inside of me, and I want you to win. So bless this food, right? It was a seagull, guys. They, they snared a seagull. So rice and some vegetables and a seagull. I lost 28 pounds. Not on that trip. The three weeks after that trip, I lost 28 pounds. I'm thinking about patenting the seagull diet, actually, at some point. But think of it. The conformed mind, the world, you got to have this or you're nothing. you got to own this here. You're a, you're, you have lack. You have problems. You're not what they are because they have what you don't have. But you can work really hard or buy my system to do my thing or whatever it is. But the mindset of, that's been transformed is God has been so good to me, how can I not be good to you? I love it when Dina gets separate. Somebody's like, you know, she talks about money, and she goes like, but listen, did I hear you say $38,000 went on to missions? $5,000 went to Haiti because of the earthquake and the, the storm that hit? Plus, we bless all the teachers. You say, you know, this church talks a lot about money. We don't. We talk a lot about generosity. Why? Because generosity, how many of you guys know that, a, that a, a presentation of the gospel is like best and most effective after a demonstration of the gospel? So we demonstrate our lives are changed, not by saying, gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy, but by saying, God has given to me, and because of what God has done for me, this is what I do for my Lord. I want to make sure there's light in the room and salt on the earth. Because of his, his generosity to me, we can give, even at times, sacrificially. I learned generosity from people who had nothing but Jesus. And we never learned the lesson that way. But I'm telling you, when you get to the point where he's all you have, you'll find that he's all you need. 
Conformed. You got to get it. Transformed. You just got to give it. Secondly, conformed, right? Hate them. Everybody say them. Now, who's them? It, it just changes from week to week. But the world needs someone to hate at all times. Transform. Love all. Explain that. Who's all? But what about the Taliban? Yeah, Jesus died for them. Really? For them? Yeah. What about Hitler? Yeah. Aren't you guys glad that if you know that Jesus died for Hitler, that you know he died for you too? Right? Like, understand the love of God. Like, which kid do you love the most? If you had to throw one out of the lifeboat, which would it be? And the answer is because you love your kids, you'd be the first one out of the lifeboat so your kids could survive. Right? The same thing. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Why? His son's life compared to the lives of all. It wouldn't be heaven without all of his kids being there or at least having a chance to survive. And so he lays down his own life. Conformed always needs an enemy to hate. Transformed always finds a way to love. Are you still here? Let me say this. To have a movement, you do not need God, but you do need a devil. And a lot of the movements today are not based on faith in the goodness of God. They're, they're based in hatred of other people that aren't like you. Other belief systems, other political persuasions, other skin colors, other, other, right? Hear me. If you find yourself constantly being separated from people whom Jesus gave his life so that they could be saved and live forever in his presence, if you constantly find yourself those people and them and those and they and... Listen, if you find yourself there, you know your mind has not yet been transformed. Made in China. That's really interesting. If you are constantly fighting people, whether you're a slacktivist, or you're an activist, or you're a pacifist and you're so sick of it, you just don't want to be around people anymore. If you find, God bless you, if you find yourself, if you find yourself literally divided from other people for any reason, you know that you still have a conformity. The world wants your whatever it is, your allegiance, your vote, your finances, your influence, your thumbs, your website, so that their agenda can advance. How many of you guys know there's only one agenda on this earth worth giving your life for, and it's Jesus's? And he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't say, serve me. He served us and died for us, right? God demonstrates. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still separate, while we still hated, spit, mocked, everything else, he sends Jesus to die so that we would have a chance to believe and to trust. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44 is a tough one. Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, you know, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, how many know whenever Jesus says, but I tell you, we're in big trouble. You've heard it said, that was the law, and that was hard, but I tell you, that's third grade compared to the college course I'm calling you to live. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's just like, oh, <laughs> come on. How many of you know that, like, in order for me to live for Jesus, I literally have to die to me? My preferences, my biases, biases, by multiple biases, you know what I mean. They mean nothing compared to his priorities. It's, it's a shocking, horrible, agonizing death for a person like me, and I love it. Because every time I die to me, I get to live to him. And that's the process, right? Conform. Third thing, outward appearance. Man, the world cares about your hips, lips, and fingertips. You ever watch television and really pay attention to the commercials? It is shocking what they can sell people. What was the one? Can I even talk about the one we saw yesterday? No? Okay. Just 
Shocking. Just shocking. Outward appearance, obsessed with what people see on the outside, transformed. There's, there's inward value. See, we need to be obsessed with what God is saying about us, not what the world is thinking about us as they try to sell us their products. Did you know that there's cream that you can put behind your ears that prevents blackheads from growing behind your ears? By the way, by the way, have you ever looked at somebody and said, nice girl, good personality, loves the Lord, but the back of her ears, I, I just, I just, I don't know. I can't imagine spending the rest of my life at the back of those ears. Because I guess there's like acne or something, like blackheads. So there's a special product for the back of a woman's ears. There may be a special product for the back of a man's ears. I just don't go in the makeup department in the men's section to, to find out, right? But the hour, just obsessed. We can sell anybody anything if it promises to make them look better. But when you're transformed, what really matters more than the back of your ears is the, the depths of your heart. Depths of your soul. So again, test yourself in this. Like, am I, am I really paying attention to the outside of me? Am I really giving all my effort to the inside of me? You'll know you'll be conformed or transformed. Uh, next one, conformed. Our thoughts. Man, the world wants us to think their thoughts. Gee, transform. Man, God wants us to believe his promises and walk in them. It, it's a shocking day. And I, I, I'll predict that the pendulum swings back and forth. How many guys have lived long enough to see the pendulum swing back and forth? It's all this, and everybody's this, and anybody that's not that is a bad person. But then it swings the other way for a while. You know what I'm talking about? Seems like it swings back our way a little bit less each time, but it swings back our way. That's just kind of the way things function. Are you still here? You know what I'm talking about? If you're young, you're like, no, this is everything. It's like, no, no, it's not. I was sitting next to a guy. Where was I? He was old. I mean, he was like 60. And uh, now who was it? Oh, I was talking to my uncle yesterday at my, my cousin's funeral. He's uh, 85-ish, I would guess. He's blind macular degeneration and eye problems and all that kind of stuff. And, but he can hear really well. Like, be careful what you say around Uncle Fred because through the brick walls, he can still hear you talking about him. So I sat down. I said, I, somebody made a comment about how hard it is today. And Uncle Fred started chuckling. I said, what you, what you laughing at, Uncle Fred? He goes, how hard it is today. <laughs> I'm like, now the dude's blind. And he's, he's in his 80s. And his days are numbered, as all of our days are. He has a terminal diagnosis, as we all do, Right? The last poll that was taken, 10 out of 10 Americans will die someday. It's been proven. So I said, I said to him, I said, what was, the, what was harder than today? He said, were you alive in 68? I said, I was born in 65. He said, well, then you'd remember. But, but the political unrest makes today's political unrest look cute. That the racial tensions in 68 make the racial tensions today just quaint. People like presidents and leaders. They're being assassinated publicly for being on one side or the other of the issue. Like today, I know that your generation thinks it's the worst thing. How many of you guys like to be around old people because your generation is actually a younger thing instead of a whatever boomer kind of moment, right? It's like, you kids. I'm like, call me a kid again. I love that, right? But he said, it, it's, it was so much harder. He said, then go back. I mean, that was Vietnam. That was, and go, go back farther. World War II. Go back further. World War I. Go back further. Spanish-American War. Like, your generation, Jimmy, you just, you got it so bad. But you never look at history to find out you got it better than any generation previous to this generation. If you guys, you guys got told to stay home for 12 weeks, and you're, my generation had to go to war for three years. You just had to sit on the couch for three months, and you complained about it. Watching Netflix, you watched movies about my generation <laughs> and complained about it. I went, hey, just don't be so passionate. You're old. Settle down, you know. But, man, the world, listen, any disagreement can now be called discrimination. And that's every way. Don't say, oh, he's talking about, I'm not talking about one. Every direction 
We're being discriminated against because as Christians, we're being discriminated against because of the color of our skin. We're being discriminated against because we're rich, we're poor, we're, we're big, we're small. I saw a commercial yesterday for people that are marginalized because of obesity. And it didn't say obesity because that was a bad word. But did you see that one? It was like, people don't hire us because we're bigger than whatever. And I'm just like, we, we, have, we, have, we have victims everywhere. The world wants us all to be a victim that needs a savior. But the only thing we've done, we've done to ourselves. And the only savior is Jesus. And when you realize that, you begin to live differently in those things. I, think our thoughts. Think our thoughts. God says, meditate on my promises. Meditate on my promises. Look at this. The, the last one here. The world really wants us to be its slave. Now, what's the difference between a slave and a, a slave? Like, I, uh, as, as someone who was formerly addicted to alcohol, alcohol was my servant, my servant, my servant, my servant, until one day I said, I'm not going to do it. And I said, oh, yeah? And I realized somehow this thing that served me to relax, served me to hang out with friends, served me to be social, served me to kind of over, to sleep better at night, served me. All of a sudden I realized that thing that had been my servant all along became my master and would not let go of me. And I lived in a hellish, addictive agony for a season of my life. And I just, please hear me. The world wants to promise you everything until it owns you lock, stock, and barrel. Until it destroys relationships that would bring you back to Christ. I wonder sometimes if people that haven't come back to church, and if you're watching a live stream, I'm not talking about you, but I've had conversations, people that watch on live stream, and they're just like, well, I won't go back in that room because of what those hateful people said during that season. I can't be in the same room with them. I'm like, listen, they feel the same way. And they're watching on live stream too. The most radical of thumbs, most of them have not yet walked back into the building because they're afraid of conflict. They're afraid of the resolution of that conflict. Here's what I got to tell you. Please hear me. You are now a slave to your former opinions. And it is time to be free through the mercy of Jesus Christ. It's time to come back to your church. It's time to fellowship with people that said horrible, despicable things and to walk up to them and say, what I said, I may have believed at the time, but I said it so so poorly. I might still believe it, but I said it so poorly that it separated fellowship between you and I. And for that, I'm sorry. And I ask for your forgiveness. How many of you guys know that when someone asks you for forgiveness, most often nobody responds by saying, well, you should be sorry. Hey, man, I, I was wrong. I, I humble myself. I apologize. 99 times out of 100, they say, well, you know, I was wrong too. Or, or they say, yeah, you were, but I love you. My, my mom is watching right now and I, we have very different politics. I'm a terrible liberal. Not true. You're a terrible liberal. I, but I, I, the, uh, I, I think the more I look at it, the more I just want government to stay out of my way, but provide for roads and the military. I might be a libertarian. I think what I am is just a gym, a gym with a vote. I, every time I label myself, someone wants to get money from me or, or label me against something else. But what's funny is because my mother and I love each other more than we love our politics, because Dan and I love each other more than Michigan State and that other school. Like, how many of you know that if you love something more, that's the thing that wins? I love my mom more. I love my God more. I love his church more. And as those things win, guess what begins to lose in our lives? In the end, man, God doesn't want us to be slaves and conformed. He wants us to be children of his that are transformed, right? In the end, what God wants is for you to live for him as a son or a daughter, filled with hope, filled with purpose. And here, here's my, my last thought. We started the series this way, and we'll end it in the same place. Piano guy, join me if you would. A.W. Tozer said this, the most important thing a man thinks is what he thinks when he thinks about God. I, I think that's an amazing statement because it really is, is the right frame 
for reality, for the shifting cultures, the shifting morals, the shifting priorities, the family dynamics. And I'm just, I'm saying this. I believe with all my heart that every person in this room, everybody watching today, everybody listening on the radio a month from now, everybody that's going to, you know, watch the hologram of this in the museum, you know what I mean, uh, 150 years from now or whatever, just this is what I believe. I believe that every person under the sound of my voice, whenever they hear this, has a purpose, a God-ordained purpose. With that came God-ordained promises. With that comes God-ordained preparation. So the same Ephesians 2.10, you're God's workmanship. You're created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. Also meets up with Romans 8.28 that says, and we know that in all things, man, God's working together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purposes. So these hard things are not hard things. Simply, they're, they're more than that. They're hard things that prepare us for glorious things. They're not just hard things. They're things that prepare us, that make us stronger. You walk into a weight room. My wife had surgery uh, three, three and a half months ago. And she came on the other day. I said, how is physical therapy? I mean, is what PT stands for. It means person who tortures. That's what it means, PT. And so her, her she said, she had me like, like deadlifting, like, like weights on a bar, boom, and then drop. And I'm like, baby, you, you weren't allowed to like tie your shoe a month ago. And you're like pounding away. She's like, I'm pounding away. She goes, I don't think I'll be able to walk tomorrow. But it was such a great session. It was so good, right? And I, and I kid you, the, the, what's going on is she's bringing her to something that, that is pushing her to her limit and then letting her rest so she can get stronger and pushing her to a new limit that came from the old limit being pushed and then dropping it and getting, you know, the dry needling and the prayer and the jacuzzis or whatever it is, right? No jacuzzis, but you know what I mean. So, and, and, and so she's getting stronger because she's pushing it, stronger because she's pushing it, stronger because she's pushing it, right? She looks great. She's recovering nicely. Why? Because she's going through hell. You want to get stronger? Quit looking for the lazy boy and start, start being active as a son or a daughter of God. God will lead you to places. God will lead you through things. I, I just want to end with this today. Um, I had two funerals yesterday. My cousin, who I grew up with, and a, and a dear friend, Valerie Carlton, someone who I've known for 25 years, a dear friend. This week coming up, um, you know, the elders will be having a funeral. Um, just Shirley Alger's just been a sweetheart around here forever, and she passed away the other day, and, and we'll be having her funeral. Just, I just know that when there's one funeral, it's something to do. When there's three funerals, you find yourself thinking about it a lot, a lot. And, and so this is what I, I've been at the side of people as they breathe their last breath and held their hand, last conversation. I was with Valerie a couple hours before she died, and she was una, unable to speak at the time, but I talked to her based on the look on her face, and I was comforting her and telling her it's going to be okay, and just, you know, just try to rest, and you know, we didn't know she'd live or die at that point, but it was 99% one way, but we were praying for a miracle the other way. And this is, I'm trying to say this. In the end, no one talks about politics. In the end, no one talks about money. In the end, no one talks about tensions between nations. When you are laying on your deathbed facing eternity, you will think, as all men, as all women do, about two things. You'll think about God, and you'll think about people. Can I suggest to you that if that's all that matters on that day, we should give it a greater priority in this day. Because if that's what we're thinking about here now is God and people. I woke up this morning with that thought on my heart. I, I just, I'm getting ready. I'm like, God and people today. God, don't, don't be in a hurry to preach from the pulpit because sometimes better ministry happens in the parking lot than it does on the pulpit. Don't say amen to that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? But we can't name five sermons that have changed our lives. 
We can name five people that have changed their lives. So God, help me to be one of those five people today that just has a conversation or makes a connection or introduces somebody to somebody and then they get married or just, just I want to, what matters today is you and you. How many of you guys know that tomorrow when you wake up, all that will matter really is him and the people he brings you into contact with. That's all that matters. God and people. God and people. God and people. I think, why do you do what you do for teachers and for students? God and people. God and people. What do you do for missions? God and people. God and people. Why are we more active in the arenas? Like, listen, God and people. God and people. What do we do at Freedom Center? Man, we're here to love God, love people, love to serve, win the loss at any cost that doesn't cost us our beliefs. Why? Because all that matters in the end is God and people. So that's all, just about all that matters today is God and people. God and people. God and people. He'll say, what do you do for a living? It's a little... It's a little confusing that you're sitting next to someone up. So what do you do for a living? I'm like, God and people. Like, what do you mean by that? Because if I say oh, I'm a pastor, they go, oh, and then they look at their magazine. I'm an author. I'm a, what do you write about? God and people. God and people. God and people. God and people. Why? Because that's, I'm old now compared to the young man I was yesterday. I'm telling you, at the end of your life, all that matters is God and people. So what are we doing? Are you being conformed? Stress, tension, anxiety, war, hatred, bitterness, rage, envy. Are you being transformed, generous, loving, kind? You know more than I do. And today was kind of a final exam that no one will know the results to but you. But if you find yourself, my mind is still being conformed. Then it's not too late to say, God, transform my mind. So, Father, I pray today as we close out our time. Father, I pray today, Holy Spirit, search our hearts and know us. Show us any thoughts that don't align with your ways. Let us not be conformed any longer. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, what you paid so we could be free. In view of God's mercy. Therefore, in view of God's mercy. Help us keep that view of God's mercy. Father, I pray, help us not to be conformed, but to be transformed. We're not the wind in the storm. We're the one who calms it. We're not a repetitious darkness. We're an interrupting light. We're not an echo chamber for somebody else's thoughts. We declare the truth of the scriptures and the truth of the promises that you have given to every individual, God. We have a purpose. Let us not be entangled by sin. Let us run with perseverance this race that's marked out so clearly before us, God. You're the author. You're the perfecter of this faith, and we give it to you now. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. You're like, Jim, I'll be honest with you. I got some work to do. (laughs) And remember, he says that you should be, not he's going to do this for you. You're going to do this in cooperation with him. It's your free will. Your thoughts are your thoughts. Your response is your responsibility. Right now, be no longer conform, but transform. You say, you know, I got work to do. I'm going to raise my hand to God today and ask him for his help. I'm not putting it on him. But I'm asking to part with me in the transformation. Partner with me, God, in the transformation of my mind. If that's you, raise your hand right now. All over this room. God, partner with me in the transformation of my mind. Then I will know. Then I will know your will. You're good. You're perfect. You're pleasing will. When all the noise goes away and all the priorities shift and all the arrows point up to heaven and outward to people, then I will know your will. Then I will know your will. God, I pray for those that are here today that they're just the hearts are a long ways. They're watching online. They're listening on the radio. Hearts are a long ways from you, Father. I, I pray that today would be the day they change their mind about your mercy. 
They change their mind about your grace, your forgiveness. They change their mind about your power that would come into their lives right now and make them born all over again, God. In view of God's mercy, we're going to transform our thoughts. But we got to see God's mercy. So, Father, I pray if anybody here has not yet seen your mercy, today would be the day they see your mercy in their lives. Heads about, eyes are closed. You say, Jim, today's the day, man. I'm, I'm done running from God. Today I'm running to him. Today, in view of God's mercy, I'm trusting him with my life. I'm trusting him with my soul. I'm trusting him with my sin. I'm trusting him with, with, with my forever. From this day forward, my life belongs to him. If you're here right now and the Holy Spirit's moving on your heart, my words are abundant, but it just takes a whisper from the Holy Spirit that says, now, here, you. So Holy Spirit, I pray and move. If you're here today, you're like, Jim, that's for me. I need that today, and I'll take the mercy of God. If that's you, raise your hand all over this room right now. Today's my day. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Today's my day. I'm not taking sin out of this room. I might have brought it in, but it is not going home with me in a doggy bag. It stays at the altar of God. Father, today for every uplifted hand, every changed mind, every open heart, wash them in the most powerful, loving, cleansing agent ever known to mankind. Father, forgive them because of the sacrifice of the life of Jesus. That blood that was shed now cleanses. And somehow something very red makes us very white. Forgive us. Make us brand new in this moment now, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Stand your feet all over this room. Well, the time is now expired, so let's do this.